being specific about who you are and why you matter unlocks opportunity. It does not constrain futures. If people know who you are, know what to believe and know why you matter, you will have all the follows, all the clicks and all the advertisers you ever need. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of the podcast in partnership with Najahi Events and our new sponsors, Vault Hill. More about them later. In today's episode from Los Angeles, I have got none other than Sasha Strauss. Now you might not have heard of him before, but boy oh boy, is this man the number one go-to branding, marketing and sharing your own voice expert. I think you need a notepad and a pen and you must pay attention to everything that you're about to listen to as I am about to be schooled. Cue the music. Vault Hill is the world's first human-centric metaverse that's opened its doors for brands and entities to launch their presence in the metaverse in only 48 hours. This is the fastest activation ever and the first time ever any metaverse has offered this. Upon this activation process, brands will receive free virtual land in Vault Hill City and can give life to their metaverse presence by buying buildings in the Vault Hill marketplace and deploy it on their dedicated VLand. Then brands can customize their land using unbounded creativity, they can display their own NFTs or upload different media, logos or digital creations to start to capitalize from their digital assets. Go check out vaulthill.io. And lastly, thank you to Najahi Events, who have been sponsoring us now on the podcast for over a year. Najahi bring motivational speakers to the region to help inspire, educate and motivate you to achieve better success and live a better life. Sasha, thanks for coming to join us on the show today. Pleasure, truly. So I'm a salesman at heart. I'm oh. truly, deeply enamored with the whole world of sales. So what's the difference between sales, marketing, branding, and communications in your mind? They are very different, but they absolutely hang out and enable one another. Uh, I like to think that nothing gets done without sales. So I don't care if you're a nonprofit and you're trying to get people to donate or trying to get people to use your services, you have to sell them on that value proposition. So I don't have any sort of dark lens on sales like a lot of people do. But to get to the crux of your question, advertising, marketing, public relations, sales, those are all munitions. Those are ways of getting an imprint on the mind of an audience Brand, brand strategy, what I specifically do is really the, how do you stitch all those actions, behaviors, communications together so that they look like they're a family? So they behave, feel, look, act like they're a family. So that way, when I see your ads, when I read your marketing, when you sell to me, it feels like a cohesive experience because that's what I'm going to ultimately build tr trust in. Kind of like we like when people are consistent. Like I want, like listening and watching all your podcasts and you're the same in every single one of them. So that means that the next time a podcast comes out, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm totally going to watch Spencer's podcast. That's the point is it kind of establishes that consistency that I can build trust in. So that's my answer. Advertising, marketing, public relations, sales, all necessary tools to get a story out there. Brand is the development of the core idea that informs all of those communications. Why do the people in each of those departments tend not to see it that way though why do they individually almost become 
combatants with each other rather than than understanding they all they're all a cog in the wheel really and they the, the more they collaborate the more they work together the more they enhance each other the better it is for everyone well in defense of them i see this in every category you know when i'm dealing with like hospital systems you the doctors they think they're the center of it the nurses think they're the center of it the hospital administrators think they're the center of it so this is a universal experience but the reason why all of those parties that play sales, communication, marketing, advertising, et cetera, all think that they're the center is, is truly because you can't do good work without each of them. And they feel that. They see that if you take me out of the machine, you take my cog out of the machine, you've got no growth. So, of course, if you're doing that job every day, you self-reflect and you recognize, wow, I'm integral. Like, I make or break this whole ecosystem. And they're right, just like the doctor, the nurse, the administrator, the IT technician, hospital systems don't work without all of them. And that's why each of them have that sort of sense of self, sense of purpose. There's a guy I know called Stephen Bartlett that's got a very famous podcast now. And is you have Shark Tank in America and we have Dragon's Den in the UK. And so he's oh, one of these guys on Dragon's so Den. so British. <laughs> well, it, I think it started with the British anyway, but <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Dig that one in there. And Stephen built a company, a social media agency, and that agency he then sold and he pocketed the best part, I think, of $200 million. Must be nice. One of the things that Stephen says, though, is that he never, ever had a sales team. Oh. Purposely. Because he believed that you didn't, if your product and your positioning, okay, and your strategy was good enough, people would come to you. You wouldn't need to go find them. Okay, I, I appreciate that he feels that way, and maybe he called them something else. But when new opportunities come to you, someone has to be a master at assessing their needs, intaking their ask, framing the solution, and delivering that, helping deliver that value. So maybe he didn't have people banging on doors saying, buy social media from me, but there clearly were organizations, governments, nonprofits who were thinking about doing social media that needed guidance. And, you know, maybe that to your earlier question and to the conversation around sales, um, we so have this misinterpretation of what a salesperson is and does. We really think of them in the sort of derogatory, manipulative sense. And, I, and I, I, not only do I not see that, but every time I'm experiencing a salesperson who is good at their job, I feel served. I feel helped. You know, and so maybe his salespeople were helpers who helped you define your need, secure a solution and bridge the gap. So fine. He didn't call them salespeople, but I bet you a pound <laughs> that he absolutely had them. Interesting. That's, that's really interesting as you think about that, though, because that's exactly right. Somebody, somebody in the organization has to take that inbound lead yep. and convert that to a paying client. Yeah. And so whatever that job title is, business development executive or whatever fancy right. shenanigans it was. Okay, good. I'm going to pull him up on that one when I see him next <laughs> because he kind of bang, he pounds the fact that he doesn't need salespeople, but you're right. So when, when we look at big brands that have, have been successful over the years, it's very easy to name what those ones are. We all know them, the, the McDonald's, the Coca-Colas, the, the uh, Boeings, and so, so on. Mm -hmm. But then uh, over recent time, we've seen brands accelerate very quickly and come into our line of vision yeah. when 
it almost felt like that would take a long time historically. Now, over here in the States, it might be a little bit different, but I'll, I'll give some examples in, in, in the Middle East Please. and some companies. So there's a there's a company called Bayut, okay. and that's B-A-Y-U-T, and Bayut is Arabic for house. Mm. And they're a property portal. Okay. They're a, a unicorn, so they're a billion-dollar business, and they just raised another $200 million recently. And they have um, essentially they're a classified business for the property industry. So like a Zillow, uh -huh. okay, yeah. over here have gone on to be a huge brand and and well respected brand in Dubai in I would say seven years. Okay, okay. We then take a company like um, Picasso, which is over here. Yes. Have you heard of Picasso? You're talking about the inner uh, image image um, image management software. No, so Picasso, P A C A S O. Oh. Picasso again, a billion dollar business, been going less than two years. Okay, they do fractional ownership of property here. Oh, cool. Okay, um, and again, have have created a brand for themselves that everyone is recognizing sure. very quickly. Yep. To me, something must have shifted in how brands come to the fore in ways that that didn't exist in the olden days. Yes. I don't know what that is. Can you please teach you me? You do. You absolutely know. I mean, both of those are complex business models, no doubt. Mm -hmm. I mean, to think about the inputs and outputs, the buyers and the sellers and the transactors in that sequence, that, that pre-internet, impossible. But the reason why organizations like this can achieve unicorn status is because of the internet, the gift of the power of communication to all parties anywhere. It enables you to have an idea, construct a solution, and distribute the value of that solution instantaneously. So that's my answer. It's not their brands that brought them to their status. An innovator innovated, created, built, launched created value in a category that didn't have that kind of value. And because the internet enabled every single person to get access to it in a click in a day without having to see an ad, it, it basically enabled these pioneers to own their category. And we, you and I both, are attributing that to their brand. I would give no credit to the brand. I would say right product, right time, right channel, right value, right price, right audience, right need. That's it. It just so happened that the names might be kind of cool, Bayut being house, and in multiple Middle Eastern languages, it's interesting that all they all mean house. Bayut, Bayut, all mean house. It's like, oh, wow, smart, interesting, creative, powerful, unique. And the same thing with Picasso. Oh, the artist. Oh, no, not the artist. Spelled differently, but familiar. Okay, you know, give them cherries for making that feel interesting to you, but no. Right product, right time, right place, right value proposition. That's why those worked. So for your listeners, I think it's important for them to not say, I want to be like a Bayut or a Picasso. Because unless they are that innovative, that tech savvy, that able to create a technical solution that doesn't exist yet, I wouldn't hold themselves up to that expectation. It's, it's, they're unicorns, which literally means that they're so rare, they're almost fictitious. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's not us as builders, growers, entrepreneurs set that expectation for ourselves. It's it's an unfair burden. Okay, so then if you take a a business startup, I mean whether it's tech or not tech doesn't really yeah. matter. A business startup, I'm involved in a few startups okay. that I've invested in that I that that I back I I back the founders more than I back the product. Right. So I I hear the story, and I'm a salesman, so I love to hear a story. 
Okay, and if if the story interests me, the personality interests me, okay. and then the product la latterly interests me, <coughs> then I'm likely to invest. But I, I generally I, I'm I'm backing a horse more than I'm backing a business. Yes. I, I'm comfortable with that, so I don't have a problem with that. Okay. okay, but these businesses want to grow very quickly. They want to raise capital. They want to get into a, a space where they're well, well known and people use them. But the messaging, or the branding, or the communication strategy, in every one of them—not everyone, but nearly every one of them—is nowhere near the top of the agenda. Okay, it seems to be one of the lowest things on the agenda. Yeah. And for me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, uh, heard. And um, again, no judgment on these startups. You know, these horses, founders that you're betting on have a personal experience that made them want to build this solution. And they're putting their heart and soul in it to a degree that they're convincing you to give your cash to help them build it. Of course, they're focused on the value creation of that solution. Of course, they're like, no, this is what's going to get people to care about us. But what they're not thinking about is that there are a whole host of humans on this planet that are already doing something else that need to be convinced otherwise. And that is the conversation that I usually have with startup founders, where I say, you're right, there are people within arm's reach that need what you're doing and saying, so thank you. But I want to talk about the next rung of audiences. And those audiences are not looking for you. They don't know that they've got a problem. They don't even know how to identify what it is that you're creating. And so what we have to think about is relating to them, thinking about the choices they're making every day and how they're making those choices and recognize that we have to interrupt them. We have to stop their behavior, convince them to retract their commitment and start committing to something entirely new. That takes a strategic communication decision. You can't change human behavior without kind of without that kind of effort. And that's the coaching I usually give to startup founders, which is hard for them because they're so impassioned by the problem they've had and the solution they created for it. It's almost like they're an inventor of something rather than they are a, a, a commercial director. It's almost But that's it, you know? We always joke about you know, like the absent-minded professor who's like so wrapped up in their world. They're like, Don't you see it? You know, like, can't you believe and you're like I don't even know, I don't even know idea what you're talking about. And they're like, what, what do you mean you can't see it? Well, that's the issue is that in order for that professor to create true impact on the world, they have to break it down, morsalize it and inspire people with it so that they have the impact that they should be having. And that's what people like I do professionally is we take these sharp, big minds. We help them understand that other people are not thinking like they're thinking and that they owe it to their audience. If they really want to have an impact, they owe it to their audience to put it in their terms, not their own. So two things come to mind as you said, that's really, really powerful. So thank you for that. Two things come to mind. First of all, a guest that was sat here yesterday that's invented a flying car. Okay. And he, a crazy inventor, you'd agree with me, yeah, crazy inventor, madly passionate about everything relating to it, super excited, yeah. Desimola. He, he, totally into it and he's sold on it big time and it's the solution for everything but the level of detail he then goes into explaining it right. okay for me you know I, and I, maybe i'm not a great person because i'm not academic i've got add so i struggle with concentration but when you go into more and more detail with me you then start to lose me 
because you're not yeah he's excited about the 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 mechanics as much as he's excited about everything else and it then makes me think about my dad and my dad's exactly the same he's an engineer and you know you take him into his warehouse or his barn and he'll get you on the floor with all the bits and pieces and the screws and the bolts and everything is exciting to him like that and you're like dad it's a car yeah yes it's it's a a land rover mark ii x army lightweight 1945 i you know it's got a 4.8 whatever (laughs) let me tell you about the tires (laughs) type of stuff and so it's like in that space and then i see that and i think to myself then they're really misunderstanding the point but then you then you look at other businesses and i think about i give an example okay so i own a group of companies in dubai it's called the blue sky thinking group that company has an insurance company underneath an insurance brokerage it has a wealth management business it has a a a SaaS software platform in there and the managing director, or the CEO, sorry, Danielle, who's my business partner, sees marketing, communications, PR, and brand strategy completely differently to me. Mm. She says, go and look at the Swiss banks and see how they deal with brand. They'll sponsor the America's Cup team and have Credit Swiss on the side of a sale. But you never see lots of energy going into loud, boisterous, engaging, storytelling communication. It's literally no communication. There'll be one slogan that goes with Credit Suisse, Union Bank of Switzerland, or whoever those big old banks are. She's like, that's the place that we have to, that's the place we have to live in. And I listen to her and I'm like, I disagree with you. We don't need to live there. We need to be finding a way of telling a story because there's a lot in wealth management that's about fear-based selling because if you don't have enough money when you're 65 years old you can't retire if you don't save enough money for your children's education at university then they're not going or they're going to have to borrow money if you don't get adequate life insurance and you die then your family could be left so there's lots of kind of like fear-based sales that go in there and for me it's like just tell these stories tell these stories of, of, of what essentially can go on then add that, and sorry to make this a bit more complicated, then you add onto it all, and I haven't found one yet that's not, all crypto companies. Yes. So take crypto.com, Binance, Coinbase, Kraken, I suppose, as well. You take crypto.com, who I've had on the show a couple of times now, a fantastic company, done extremely well for themselves. Their ambition is to... When I interviewed the COO at the beginning of last year, I said... How many account holders you got? He said, 10 million. I said, and how many do you want by the end of next year? He said, 100 million. And I looked at him and I went, 100 million? Then I checked in with him halfway through. They're at 50 million. So they clearly are growing. Their, their strategy was to put their brand everywhere. Mm-hmm. So Staples Arena is now called the Crypto.com Arena, yeah? Yeah. They're the title sponsor for Formula One, the title sponsor for UFC. So global sports is, is what they do. But you don't know anything about them. I love these examples. Um, so you've covered three categories so far. You talked about this inventor that you had on your show who invented a flying car, who was so passionate about the inputs, outputs, features, functions, where to use it, how to use it, et cetera. And a couple minutes in, you were lost. You might be a tech savvy person who really cares. No, not at all. Okay, well, fine. But you know, you're you fly on airplanes, you drive in cars, you have a capacity to understand. Yeah, absolutely. But when he got into the, I assume, when this person got into the details, you were lost. He was not communicating in a way that helps someone who doesn't understand understand. He was communicating in a way that someone understands will further understand. That's a problem. OK? 
Okay, that's in, in my world, I call that unkind. Okay. I think that is selfish. I think it's self-centered. I think it's a everyone sees the world the way that I see the world type of behavior. And it's short-sighted. It's gonna it's gonna stymie the success of his flying car if he walks around talking to people like they understand blades and counterforce and all those things. He's Physics. Just, okay. Just so we can go back to what I would recommend for that person in a second. Your portfolio of Blue Sky Thinking Group and how you have this debate with your fellow lead exec and and that person used the example of see what the Swiss banks do. I don't know this person, so I can openly pass judgment. <laughs> Be kind. <laughs> you, you, you never use Swiss banks as a parallel for your business because the Swiss banks have a gift. They afford secrecy to people who need to put money places. They don't need to do marketing. There's more money that needs a home than there are Swiss banks to hold it. Okay. So don't tell me that you're going to build a business in personal wealth management in a nation that may not understand that by saying, well, we're going to be like the Swiss banks and be silent or, or only do corporate sponsors on the highest level. Um, my, my counsel to anyone listening to this show is do not use a business like Swiss banks as your go-to strategy for marketing. Get but if it. you look at most banks, yes, most banks in the private banking, uh -huh. which is kind of like the sector, most of them are all about something very similar. It's like security and peace of mind. Yes. And there's kind of like marble icons or granite mm -hmm. and stuff yeah, like that. And this kind of, uh, and I, I look at all of it and I'm like, meh. No, no one's got me excited. It wasn't until the digital banks started coming through over yes. the last two or three years that I'm like, oh, I've got excited about that because they've had weird names and stuff that you didn't know before. And that's a novelty. And novelty will always get sort of eager, curious, curious souls like you paying attention. But anyone in banking will tell you there aren't enough banks. There's enough money that needs to be banked that all those banks honestly only need to do a little bit of outreach to get anyone's attention. They, uh, you know, they, they help nonprofits with their, their banking. They might do some classes in some local schools and such. So uh, banking is one of those funky categories that you cannot use as a counter, you know, like a, an analog to whatever else you're trying to do that engages consumers. You talked about software as a service. You talked about wealth management and other solutions that you're offering. Those are very particular solutions to a problem that people may not know they have and it becomes your burden to help them understand that these problems may eventually be theirs. And whether they choose you or someone else, you suggest they act on these problems. That's what brand strategy is built to do. It's to help people understand that there are circumstances that they have now or will have that they eventually need a solution for, and you just happen to be one of those choices. Now, the important piece of that is, if you help them realize that they have a need, deficiency, they will buy from who they learn from. That's what's key, is brand strategy does not say advertise on the side of sports arenas. Brand strategy says, what is the problem that people don't know that they have or will have in time? And how do you help them come to that realization kindly? And once they come to that realization, they will turn to who taught them. That's the strategic long game growth strategy that builds durable businesses that last beyond crises economic or otherwise. So that's my Swiss bank comment. Now you also brought up crypto brands. 
And it's been a fascinating thing to watch. Uh, I, as a self-proclaimed technosexual who cares about the way that tech impacts our lives every day, um, I've been paying attention to. I have a lot of friends who built businesses on the back of crypto. And what I basically saw was a game of survival, not a game of strategy. I, who can spend the most to create the most familiarity so that at the end of this game, there's only two survivors. And the one that spent the most survived. This is exactly what WeWork did. This is exactly why SoftBank and everyone else was like, spend, Adam, spend. Because they knew that even if the model was imperfect, even if the profits weren't real, someone will survive this. The one that is most known and most familiar will be the survivor. So spend recklessly. And that's what he did. And what do we know? We were still operating. And in fact, Adam just launched a whole nother business where he's doing similar kind of apartments where you work, et cetera, shared space. And even though it's like this billion dollar failure, $44 billion failure, they bought familiarity. They bought awareness. And so there will forever be in every category a space for thee who spends most. But I don't, you know, how many of those are there in the world? How many can there be? There aren't enough categories. Okay, fine. There's 100,000 categories, fine. But I want to talk to the rest. I want to talk to everyone else, you and our friends combined. I want to help them create real value for real humans in an enduring way. And that requires brand strategy. That requires a analysis, a consideration, and a dialogue that imprints over time. And so that's why I really help my graduate students and my clients not use Swiss banks, not use the crypto wars, not use anomaly tech as their comparison for how they should build their business. Wonderful. This is so good. Okay, so then this word that didn't exist when I was young called entrepreneur. I mean, I joke about this all the time with my students. Go on, please. You're making me smile. I don't like the word. Because when I was young, it wasn't called entrepreneur. It was called soul trader or oh. one man band or, oh, interesting. Or, or businessman. These are the kind of terms that were used. And then this, this entrepreneur word came in and then it applied. When it applied, it applied to really successful businessmen. Oh. And then it kind of went and filtered down to everybody. I'm an entrepreneur. I've started a business, whatever that may be. I'm hoping to grow the business. So I'm an entrepreneur. It is, you know, it is so fascinating because I actually remember entrepreneur as a dirty word. Okay. Right, where it was like, oh, neighbor down the street can't get his pants on right, doesn't, can't keep a job, he's an entrepreneur because he's kind of wheeling and dealing and side hustling all the time. Yeah, and it took me late into my 20s before I had a like, oh, wait a minute, business creators are entrepreneurs. Some of them are best at creating businesses, not running them, creating them, good on them. And some entrepreneurs find a problem in the world, create a solution, and they run that their whole life. But not until I said, all right, an entrepreneur is someone who created a business from nothing, did I start to have a sort of a reverence for them. And I started to look back on my life. You know, my father's an orthopedic surgeon, and he ran a private medical practice. And I'm like, oh, not Dr. Dad entrepreneur dad, right? And I started like going down the neighborhood and like, oh, there was a guy who became a lawyer, started his own practice. Entrepreneur, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my gosh. And then you start to look and you start real estate, you know, like, ding, ding, restaurant, ding, ding. You know, you're going around your world. 
And, and then I started doing the nonprofit world. I'm like, wait a minute, you made a nonprofit? Well, from nothing? That's so entrepreneurial of you, you know? <laughs> so I'm using it as a descriptor. And I think that we're kind of in a new era where we have this reverence, this respect for people who make something from nothing. Mm -hmm. It's inspiring. I wrote down two things as you were sharing because this is happening a lot lately. So in California, um, cannabis or marijuana, whatever you want to call it, is sort of like faddish, it's popular, whatever. And so there's this movement of gondrepreneurs, you know, ganja being a sort of a <laughs> nickname for- Gondrepreneurs. Gondrepreneurs, it's like, <laughs> fine. Um, but my favorite new interpretation of entrepreneurship is philanthropeneur, <laughs> where it's like I, as someone with wealth, am now using my wealth to start nonprofit philanthropic NGO initiatives. And but I don't want to be like, you know, an executive director. I, I, I want to be a philanthropeneur because I'm the creator of the idea. I'm not the implementer of it. And, you know, credit to all. But. What I think it's happened in our lifetime is that entrepreneur went from a word that we never heard or didn't understand to it is everywhere and intriguing. You know, you can almost make like a TV show, like you know, and and I think that's what Shark Tank or the British equivalent um, Dragon Dragons Den, yeah, Dragon Tank, Dragon Dragons Den, Den. <laughs> of course Den, yeah. uh, Dragons Den. You know, that's really about look at these people who are inventing something from nothing, and don't you want to believe in them, and aren't you inspired by their energy? And it's like, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of a, a new era in entrepreneurship, and I'm I'm enjoying the ride. Okay, so when we think about personal brand. So I, I, I essentially own these businesses. I don't run them there. I have people that run those businesses for me. However, when I look at a lot of people, their personal brand seems to be at kilter. And while I'm talking to you about this right now, I'm, I've got these eyes that are burning, lasers that are burning into the side of my face right now with Sophia over there, where we have uh, constant debates about, about my personal brand. And I had a Zoom with uh, Evan Carmichael and Bo, how long ago was it? Three months ago? February, oh, February, it was a long time ago. And Bo's like, I've, I've listened to your podcast, I've, I've watched your podcast, really interesting, lots of different guests, really interesting. And he's like, who are you? And I'm like, what do you mean? Feel? I felt like shit. He tore me a new arsehole, basically in the space of 15 minutes, in the nicest possible way. And I came off that call, and Sophia was on the call, Bo was on the call, Evan was on the call, and I came off the call, and I just sat with my head in my hands for the rest of the evening going, how did I get it so wrong? Now, other people outside of my direct uh, 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 partners and colleagues, okay, go on about how great what I've done is. I can't see that, but Sophia's like, uh, Evan was like, what are you? Who are you? What do you stand for? you must stand for something. And so then I go into my defensive mode and I go with Joe Rogan, doesn't he stands for many things. There are people out there that stand for many things. They involve themselves in many different areas and directions. And so why do I have to be in one lane, in one channel, and why do I have to stick to it? Because if I do, it will end up making me unhappy because I like the variety. Oh, interesting. And so Sophia's like, I want to help you, but you put handcuffs on me because you won't give me that direction in that one place. Or if we do start in one direction, you then want to change a few months later. Is that, is that fair? It is fair. Okay, right. So just to make sure that we're, is that we're uh, I'm not saying anything that, that, that is different to what she understands. How do you interpret what I've just told you? I am 
I, I can't tell you how fascinated I am by your lens. And it's just a compliment to just how different our minds, how all, every, all humans' minds are different. Everything that you said, you feel. And I would be wrong to tell you that your perception is inaccurate. What I am willing to do is help you see a third view, not my view, but a third view. And I think you might come to a realization that, that being specific about who you are and why you matter unlocks opportunity. It does not constrain futures. So you think of it as like, I'm putting these boundaries around what I say, what I do, who I do it for. And that's actually not the case. Personal brand really sets you up as a, there's a pillar, a foundation under you that you can use to do your culture change effort, to do your broadcasting, um, but in a way that people can sort of lightning rod it. They can know where it's coming from. They can understand what to expect. So like you used Joe Rogan as an example, and your interpretation with it is that he might not have a personal brand, and I don't want to misquote you, but I would say that if you asked anyone who loves Joe Rogan, they would say, oh, there's things you can always bet on with Joe. He doesn't take shit from anyone. He is all about masculinity. Like he's constantly like bulging out of his shirts and stuff, you know, he's like, Arr! you know, he's all about like freedom to try, freedom to use drugs, freedom to like experience yourself. Now, has that stopped him from talking about virtually anything? No. But by being those specific things, it helps people come back to what they trust. And as we started our conversation today, thinking about people want to have a trusted connection with the sources of their goods and services and ideas. And so what personal brand does is it gives them that anchor so that then they can talk to you about anything, but they know where it's coming from. They know maybe your moral character or maybe your entrepreneurial spirit, or maybe your global inclusiveness. And from that sort of gathering, they are much more willing to trust you. So like you mentioned earlier, um, that you have all these businesses, but you're not the hood ornament, right? And, and I respect that. I'm not the hood ornament for my business either. And I did that by design because you and I are people, we make mistakes, and it would be a shame for all of the people we employ to be tied to the choices you and I make every day. We see this happen all the time, you know, athlete tied to brand, athlete says something stupid, oh no, you know, crushing billions lost. So what I would say is, is that we like to believe in people, not brands. And often people help make those brands more believable. They establish a connection. And so I often say to business leaders, I will buy from the business, but I want to know what humans are driving the business, informing the business. And that is where the personal brand ticket comes into play. Salespeople deserve a personal brand. Customer service people deserve a personal brand. HR, human resources, deserves a personal brand. And it's not for ego, it's not for you know, slinging and closing deals, it's for understanding, for connection, for relationship. So just to put myself on the spot here and show you as an example, um, I like to sew stupid things. I don't know. It's just like a hobby. And so here I am wearing this jacket and it has patches on it. And these patches are reflections of things that I am curious about, things that intrigue me, things that I'm connected to. And what it basically has done is it has enabled me anywhere I go for people to pose a question like, oh, I see that. Oh, what is that? And obviously it's, there's not infinite patches that represent every single thing that I've ever experienced in my life. It's a confined set. But it's, it ignites understanding. It ignites conversation. So 
for your listeners and watchers, when I walked in, you were like, oh, that's a Millennium Falcon from Star Wars. You know, it's yeah. like, well, there we go. Here we are. You don't know me from Adam. No. Well, we have my common friends, but, you know, and you were like, immediately you're like, oh, hey, uh, maybe there's something we have in common. Well, do you think I did that by chance? You like think I slipped and fell and put a Star Wars patch on my jacket? Yeah, no. no, I'm like, all right, there's people who I don't know who I want to build a connection with. How can I build a bridge? How can I create a connection with them? That is what personal brand does, is it gives people an entree to knowing you, trusting you, believing in you without making it hard, without them having to read your resume, but feel a connection. And so personally, now I am working with CEOs of the world's biggest companies, nonprofit leaders, and undergraduate students simultaneously on the same question. Who are you? Why do you matter? Why should that be interesting to me? Who are you not? That's one of my favorite brand, personal brand questions is, or statements. You can't be what you are unless you're clear what you're not. So to really get existential on this, track with me on this, many of us know about Carl Jung, the psychotherapist yep. who created these archetypes. And a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, am I a lover? Am I the magician, et cetera? And I actually flip the script on them and I ask them first, what are you not? Which of these archetypes are you not? And through that deductive process, what do you know? There's like three or four left. And I'm like, great, there you are. Look, that's you. Okay, build a world of conversation around that. And that really does help people get things done faster. You're giving a pitch, who am I? You're trying to meet your future spouse, who am I? Training new employees, who am I? And that efficiency creates deeper connection faster, which ends up being good for audience and purveyor. And that's why I'm such a proponent of the process. Okay. So as you're saying this, it's, by the way, it's fascinating. This is, this, this, this is gold, what cool. you're sharing. I really respect the Please. fact that you're giving this out the way you are. Let's, let's take me as the example for my audience because they'll know me and they'll all know bits about me that okay. they want to connect with. So this is the person. Is interested in humanity, so he's just made a documentary about human trafficking. He has a podcast because he's fascinated by all kinds of people and learning from them and sharing their stories. He's a sales guy at heart. His background and training for 30 years and experience was in the, the investment industry. If you said to me, what do I want to be? If for the next 10 years, what do I want to be? Mm -hmm. If I could make television documentaries about human suffering or, or uh, overcoming challenges that humanity faces, if I could do that for the rest of my life, that would make me very happy. If I did the podcast five days a week for the rest of my life, that would make me very happy. I say that because it's easy to say that. God only knows if I did have to do it five days a week. Okay. But that's what I feel. Okay, so I like where we're starting. Couple questions: Are you financially independent enough that you don't have to make another dollar to live a safe life? Correct. Okay, so you have a factor that most of the world does not have, and so you might say, "I make a podcast that may may not make money the rest of my life, and I'll be happy." But the rest of us, we need to create an income and a livelihood for our families. So often, the folks that are already set for a lifetime they have a hard time building a personal brand story because they have freedom to reign, freedom to do. And so I'll just want to create that governance for everyone listening. Interesting. 
okay? So just consider that as a filter, but I'll still work with you on this, okay? So let's talk about um, uh, your interest in people and you find that human trafficking is the one that really like gets you. When we had the opportunity to make the TV show, there was lots of areas discussed. Yeah. The UN Global Sustainability Goals were there, but the, the dehorning of rhinos wasn't, something that, that I connected with. Okay. Okay. But, you know, I, I, I work and do some work with a company called Smartcast that are trying to solve the food security issues around the world. So it's not just about human trafficking. It's about suffering, I think. Interesting. Okay. Would that be fair? Yeah. That was, I'm just asking Sophia just to make Please. sure. So, so Sophia says yes. So you see that there's this interesting tension here. You're a sales guy. You came from finance and investing, you know, wheeling and dealing and slinging and closing. You know, you you come home at night, pour yourself a drink and be like, closed a billion today. You know, you had, okay. <laughs> so here you are, I suspect having a little bit of a personal crisis where you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want the memory of me to be the guy who banked with the billionaires. I, I want to be someone who also created good in the world, which... I actually think is the best kind of personal brand there is. We really love the kind of contrast identity of someone who made it, got it, good, but wants to spend the rest of their life helping people. And so part of your personal brand is I've been there, I've done that, I've won that. But I recognize that all of that means nothing if humanity can't thrive. And that's why I spend all of my time all of my conversations producing content that brings light to the suffering that humans are experiencing. And if you were just like somebody who's like, oh, I want to make documentaries about people who are suffering, you'd have a hard time getting people kind of moved by you. But by recognizing that you've been on the yachts, you've been on the private planes, and you recognize that that's not enough, that what actually makes you go to bed at night feeling proud of yourself and gets you up in the morning enthused is the people who will never step on a private plane, the people who don't need a Swiss bank. And that's why you spend every waking hour of the rest of your life creating meaningful content that inspires people to act. All right, that's, that's a podcaster I want to listen to, that kind of sort of dichotomy. Okay, but then there's the challenge that goes with me is that I don't want to produce a podcast for the rest of my life or produce TV shows for the rest of my life unless I can measure the outcome of that work. Because I come from a very tangible world where the outcome is, is, is always measured in numbers. And if I can't measure the outcome of it, it puts me in a, a, a state of flux and confusion. Well, <clears throat> or frustration, sorry. Don't be fooled by the measurement metrics that have been blasted at you for the last decade where it's clicks and follows. The truth is out there. All of that was lies. All of it. All of the digital marketing agencies, the click-through rates, all that stuff, grossly exaggerated. This is not Sasha's opinion. The reports are everywhere from Facebook, Google, otherwise. It's also why internet advertising has gone way up in price. So I just want to say, fine on you. Go spread the love and have impact, but don't you dare measure it by views. Because it's, it's about the viewer not the number of views. It's about the viewer who watched it and did something, not about the thousands of people who happened to get the spam ad and clicked on it, and what do you know your click rate is up. You know, people ask me how many people have watched your YouTube videos, and I, my answer is I don't particularly care. 
what I ma what matters to me is everywhere I go in the world, when someone has seen my TED talk or when someone's seen my keynotes, they have done something different after that. And so I hope that you will find a way to measure your contribution beyond clicks. But it's interesting you say that because the sponsors of this podcast don't care at all about the number of listeners, viewers and downloads. They care about the people that I've met. Okay. And so they're like, we want to talk and connect and engage with the people that you've had on your show. Not everybody, obviously, because they have, they have different needs, but their driver is to be able to be part of essentially my inner and slightly outer circle ecosystem so that they can build relationships with those people themselves. Okay. So not to call out your advertisers, but they're leeching off of you because of the relationships you've been able to establish with trust where all these brands like you, personally like you, and your sponsors are like, ooh, I want some of them. How do I go through Spencer to get them? So I hear you that they don't necessarily about click, care about clicks. They care about who's on your show. Yeah. Good on them, smart decision. But I'm talking to you, man. I'm talking to you and your life. And I'm telling you that who your sponsors were for your podcast in five years, you're not going to care. What's going to matter most is you're going to be putzing around the Middle East. Someone's going to stop you in a train station and be like, you're Spencer. Remember podcast 39 where you had X person on there? Remember when you asked them that one question? I have not stopped thinking about that question. It has impacted every decision I have made since that moment. Thank you. Then you will know then you will know. And that needs to be the goal of your personal brand. Not sponsors, not clicks. Wow. That's really interesting. How often do you have this type of conversation with potential clients, corporates, non-corporates, uh, NGOs, individuals, because you can see that so clearly, yet they cannot see that at all. Every day. And that's why I want this to feel norm normal to all of your listeners. I want them to feel normal that they were thinking about it one way, and I hope to point out a third way. Um, I was just on a call with a graduate student of mine who um, is from Europe, and this is a person who's been my graduate student for a very long time. I mean, once they were my grad student, I kind of always treat them like they were. Yeah. So this person might have been my student five years ago, as far as I know. But I still do Zoom meetings with them, et cetera. And he said, Sasha, I finally need to have a well-defined personal brand. But I'm perplexed because I was thinking to myself, you know, what kind of food do I like? And who's my favorite TV show character? Because, you know, that's my personality. I thought that personal brand was about my personality. And, and I was, you know, I th had to think to myself, I'm like, well, haven't I unlocked this for you yet? And the truth is, until you have the need, you don't know that you need it. And this person hadn't had the need yet, so therefore didn't have the understanding. But all I said to them in response was, well, tell me, what makes you feel like you need a personal brand right now? And this person said, well, I'm going up for promotion in my global, in, I, he, this person works for a global business, going up for promotion, and I know that I'm misunderstood. I'm like, oh, so you don't need a personal brand for the general masses. You need a personal brand that relates to those five people. <laughs> okay, well, let's get, to, let's get to work. You know, like, who are those five people? What is their worldview? What were their roles before they got into those decision-making bodies? What do you think the strategic plan is for that business unit so that you can relate your skills and contributions to the strategic? 
Okay, well, that's a deductive analysis. Yeah. That's not a creative exploratory journey where you go on some drug trip. It's like, okay, what am I here to achieve? And that's what I just did kind of with you. Is that, you know, I, I was just trying to figure out like, okay, you, you, know, you want to move people to think about folks that they will never see in life. They will never see these trafficked souls, but they absolutely can feel for them. And that's your magical gift. You're using your broadcast to bring that awareness. And you've got this show coming out that we're all going to watch and be affected by. And so that's what I help CEOs of the world's biggest companies, nonprofit volunteers. You said you said that on. if you're an employee in a company, you're a salesperson, HR, different functions, yeah. you need a personal brand. If if I needed to make money based around what I said, and I said to you, I'm not, because most people watching this, they're not financially independent. That's the truth. Yeah. Okay. The, those that are not still need. Absolutely. To make money. You know, still got to go out and, and earn a and, living. And personal brand will help them make money. Okay. So let's, let, let's, let's say I didn't answer. Yeah. I'm financially independent. Let's say I said to you, look, no, I'm not. Okay. This is, this is, you know, I found purpose in this, Yes. but it doesn't make me any money and I'm never going to be able to make a living out of it. I've still got to put food on the table. Uh -huh. How would that have been answered differently? Well, then I would go into this whole explore, explore, exploration with you where we would figure out how to use this podcast to create unique value in the world that would create some kind of sales funnel, whether that's leading people to workshops, conferences, speaking events, subscribing, paying for subscriptions, um, buying special media access to you, you know, follower accounts where you pay a premium to get access to spe special outtakes, et cetera. I would help you figure out how to create that funnel. But what I, what I want to put out there is, is that the most important question for someone who wants to create income about personal brand is who are the people you're trying to impact? Because you can't be all things to all people. Yeah. Never, ever. You know, you think about who you invited to family dinner and there's the family members you excluded. Well, that's the point is that even in family circle, there's still people you don't want to relate to. So in the world of personal brand, part of this is like, okay, who's the audience that is going to matter? This is going to matter to. And then ultimately, what are their services or solutions or content do they have access to? So I just want to call you out. When your colleague said to you, you've got this great podcast, you're doing this documentary, but I don't know who you are. With great respect, Spencer, I agree. You know, when you invited me on the show, I did my time. I watched your episodes and I was moved by what I saw. But I asked myself every day, why Spencer? Why this person? Your audience deserves an answer. They not only deserve an answer, they're not going to tell other people to listen to your podcast until they have the answer. They might refer people to a link to an episode that relates to their category. Fine. But people being like, oh, he's one of the 10 people I follow, listen to, care about, read about unconditionally, that takes identity construct. That takes identity definition. So to your question, if I'm in HR and I'm asking myself, what do I need a personal brand for? I think the answer is pretty imperative. Like you are recruiting people and you're retaining people. Okay. What do recruits and employees need from an HR leader? They need inspiration. They need answers. They need trust. Okay, great. What part of your character represents those contributions? Where have you manifested trustworthiness? Where have you manifested inspiration? Boom, 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 boom. Okay, excellent. Okay, so what you're actually telling me, and thank you for being honest, and I, I, I have no issues with straight between the eyeballs. No, 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 you, you, you go for me, honestly, I, and I appreciate that. So then, then what does somebody do in my position? Because I've, I'm 210 episodes in, okay? I've met some amazing people on my journey. I've had some phenomenal conversations, which 
obviously you're going to have uh, my my little black book is or my rolodex is much bigger now than it was from you know from from very humble people to very successful people how do you then pivot because what you're saying is why spencer that 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 then becomes a big challenge because to, to me and this leads back to what you said earlier so i'm going to dig my heels in a little bit here so you have to fight me on it that for me it makes me go oh i've got to give something up oh i've got to give let's if you take if you take i've got crypto guests i've got personal stories of overcoming unimaginable difficulties and i've got personal development okay so you've got those three uh, the, the over the 200 it's mainly those three there's some other ones in there as well Okay, I am not asking you to give up anything. I'm asking you to be specific and intentional about what you surface to the top. And all of your episodes are integral to this new refined Spencer identity. They are proof. There's something about the way you ask questions. There's something about, you know, here, I've been gifted with your response a few times where you're like, oh, I had, you know, wow, I thought about, okay, well, that emotional response by you that's, that's where your personal brand sits. That which floors you, intrigues you, that's probably one of the key pillars of what your personal brand ultimately needs to be is what moves you to reflect like that because your reflective energy is your audience's reflective energy and that's why they listen to this show is because when Spencer goes wow, they go wow too, okay? So for everyone listening and watching, everything you've done in your past a core component of your personal brand, even if you've, quote, pivoted infinite times. I am not asking you to pivot. In fact, I suggest you don't pivot. I'm suggesting that when you're meeting people times one through 10, the first handful of times you meet someone, don't be all things to all people. Don't be everything you ever were. Be something very specific and intentional that relates to their curiosities, needs, and wants in the moment. And that way they can establish an entry to relationship with you. And then you can go like, oh my God, and then I talked to this guy who made a flying car, and then I talked to this person who made workouts. Like, it'll all fall into play. But the problem is, is that most people, when they think about their personal brand, it's kind of like, look at me, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the situation where you're relevant, what are the first handful of things that I experience of you so that I'm willing to listen? And that's the magic of it. You're not trying to boil the ocean. You're not trying to be everything to that person. You're trying to make them simply curious and open to knowing you. And that's what all of your future listeners deserve. Why should I be open to hearing from Spencer? I understand that he's got all these famous people. Maybe it's because of his financial history, or maybe it's because he's got cool friends, and that's why he's got this black book. But again, I still don't know the answer. Why him then? Other people probably know just as many famous people. Other people could put on a podcast and interview their famous friends. Why should I listen to them? And I think that the next rung for you is to be explicit and direct and intentional and authentic for the audience that doesn't know you yet, but may get a link or a referral and say they need to be able to answer the question, oh, I'm going to pursue this guy because he is what? Because he feels what? Because he sees the world in what way? And that's it. Remember I said earlier, it's about kindness. You know, a rude, selfish person says, hi, my name is Sasha. Look at my education. Look at the things I do. Don't you want to know me? Whereas a kind, inviting soul says, oh, so you're in LA? How's it going? 
like that was the first thing I said to you. I was like, yeah. uh, you know, like I didn't talk about my kids. I didn't uh -huh. talk about my car. I, I made it about you so that you saw we had common interests, other things. And here we are comfortably communicating for an hour. So that's the power. That's the power of personal brand. It puts you at rest. It makes it easy for your audience to engage and communicate and know you. And most importantly, the old adage, the best marketing is word of mouth. To this day, except for the internet, added an exponent on that. If people know who you are, know what to believe, and know why you matter, you will have all the follows, all the clicks, and all the advertisers you ever need to create the impact you're setting your sights on. Sasha, it's been phenomenal talking to you. It's been a real go back to class and school session, and I wasn't expecting this at all. So thanks for coming. Do I get to, to give you a grade? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, please. Sure. You can grade it any way you like, but don't tell me because I'll probably be disappointed. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Pleasure.